since man has become a living being, Satan has been in pursuit of mankind. Hey, welcome to Mornings with Ken. I'm so glad you guys stopped by. Go get that cup of coffee. Go get that virtual donut. Pull up a chair, kick off those shoes, and stay a while, because I'm really glad you're here. Hey, if you missed the last uh, few episodes of Mornings with Ken, you need to check them out before you listen to today's show. I mean, you could listen to today's show, but um, to get a, a backdrop of uh, what I've been talking about, you probably should go back and uh, review the last three episodes. Um, first episode, Who is Jesus? Next episode, Jesus on Sin and Repentance. And the last episode was Jesus, 12 good men, but he can only find 11. So, hey, I was told not to sing anymore on Mornings with Ken by a friend of mine. Um, So no more singing from Mornings with Ken. But uh, anyway, if you got your little uh, Bible app opened up, um, go ahead and dust off that Bible app and... uh, and, uh, Let's meet at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, right? That's what the old hip pastor said in the, uh, what, 90s or 2000s? Let's meet at Genesis. Let's meet. Let's all meet. Meet me in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. I'm going to read that one more time because you know on Mornings with Ken, I always read things twice. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And ever since... Satan has said that, Lucifer has said that in the garden. He's still saying that today. Satan is still trying to confuse mankind and twist the very words of God. Did God really say? So um, that's what we're going to be talking about today on Mornings with Ken. We're going to look at three things. There's there's plenty more than three, but I'm only going to have time to touch on three of them today. Three things that Satan is doing against mankind. Three things Satan is doing against mankind. And if you hear a little snoring in the background, that's my dog Molly. Molly's over there sleeping by the fireplace, um, just just sawing some logs there. So, um, 
Dogs got the best life. Dogs are living their best lives now. Let me tell you. <laughs> I know somebody who would be very proud of uh, my dog. Yes, living his best life now. Uh, from the beginning of Satan's rebellion, Satan has attempted to reverse God's plan for mankind. Think about that. Since since the very beginning of Satan's rebellion in heaven, he's been after mankind to reverse what God has intended for good. He has made it his desire to twist or reverse God's plan for mankind. And, uh, you know, go get your little crayon out. I got three three little points I want to make today. Just three little points. So go go get your crayon and, a, and your uh, piece of paper. And <laughs> so first I want to look at, number one, Satan wanted to be God. Satan wanted to be God. Um, look at Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13. And this is, uh, there's like seven I wills of Satan. And I'm just going to touch on one of them here. Isaiah 14, 13, Satan, Satan speaking here. I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly. I want to read that again. I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly. Wow. Wow. How absurd is it for a creation to say he's going to rise above his creator? Could you imagine that? Wow. He says, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne, his throne. He's going to create his throne above God, above God. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I'm going to stop right there. Um, in the Old Testament, many times um, when stars are mentioned, it can refer to um, the cosmos, you know, stars in the sky, suns, you know, suns up in the sky, and, and many suns in, in the cosmos. But here and, and in other places, um, the word stars really are referring to angels because God sets enthroned on the mount of the assembly. So, in this passage, stars represent the angels. So what Satan is saying here is, I will raise my throne 
above the angels of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly. See, um, only God sits on the mount of the assembly. The assembly, God is enthroned on his seat, the mount. He's enthroned on the mount. His assembly is his stars. And what are the stars? The stars are his angels. So God sits enthroned on the mount of his assembly. Assembly of what? Assembly of the stars, angels. That's God's throne. That only belongs to God. Satan is saying, I will raise my throne above the angels of God. I will set my I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly. The, the, the creation is trying to rise above the creator. And just to give you a few examples where stars are referred to as angels, if you look at uh, Revelations 12, 4 and, and Revelation 1, 20, um, you will see that... Uh, Stars are, are examples. Stars represent angels. So once again, Revelations 12.4, Revelations 1.20. And here in our passage, Isaiah 14.13, um, it's pretty well established, most scholars would agree, that um, the assembly was made up of God's holy angels the stars of God. So, number one, Satan wanted to be God. Satan wanted to be God. That's uh, point number one right there, if you're coloring in your coloring book. Um, <laughs> could you imagine that? I could not imagine that. Imagine a, a piece of clay on a potter's wheel, I don't know if you know if you ever did like a a, a pottery pottery class in school or um, at these uh, craft shows where you throw down a piece of lump of clay and you the potter is sitting on a chair in the old fashioned way you used to have to kind of hit this pedal and make the wheel spin and as the wheel spins. You're modeling the clay, you're molding it, you're creating it. Imagine that clay says, talking to you and said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm going to make you, you, here, here. Um, you who think you're, you're making me, no, you get on the wheel and I'm going to make you. No, no, the clay can't say to the, to the, the potter, um, I'm going to take your spot your spot. No, that's not how it works. But that's what Satan thought. Um, yeah, so number one, Satan wanted to be God. Wow. Number two, number two, Satan desires to twist God's plan for sexuality. Satan 
desires to twist God's plan of sexuality. And I know this is controversial. It shouldn't be as believers in Christ. It shouldn't be, but Satan does desire to twist God's plan for sexuality. Um, in Genesis 5, um, verses 1 through 2, that's Genesis 5, verses 1 through 2. Um, let's read it here. When God created mankind, he made them in his likeness. He created them male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. Let me go back again real quick. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. I'm going to repeat that line. He created them male and female and blessed them. I'm going to read that again. He created them male and female and blessed them. I'm going to read that once more. He created them male and female, and blessed them. <laughs> and he named them mankind when they were created. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. The Lord God formed out of the ground all the wild animals and birds in the sky. He and, Well, I'm just kind of skip over this. Here he, he gives Adam the responsibility to name all the animals. Jump down to, I believe it's verse 20. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and he closed up that place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man and he brought her to the man. Let me read that part again. The Lord God made a woman. Remember, he's looking for a suitable helper for man. So the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is tied to his wife. They shall become one flesh. They shall become one flesh, the man and the woman, the man and the woman, the man and the woman, the man and the woman shall be called, shall become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. 
Okay, so God established sexuality. God established sexuality. God did that. God thought suitable for a man to be joined together with a woman. Okay? All right? Now, we're talking about Satan wants to undo everything God is doing. So, what does Satan do? What does Satan do? You remember the story of Lot? When uh, um, Lot in Sodom, Lot had some visitors show up at his at his door one day, and those visitors happened to um, be in disguise of men. So Lot had some angels to come and visit him. They were male angels. The angels visiting Lot, let me say that again, were male. The angels visiting Lot were male. Now, the Bible records that the men of the city, the men of the city saw these men these angels, but they were disguised as men, go to Lot's door. They rushed after those men, and the Bible says, so that they could have sex with them. The men of the city desired the male angels to have sex with them. Now, Think about this. Oh, this is going to get deep. I don't want to get us off in too far of a tangent. But um, the fallen angels, when they fell to earth, they started having relationships with the daughters of men. They were called the Nephilim. Um, the angels um, would have sex. The fallen angels would have sex with the women, and they created, therefore, Nephilim were born. But so it was very common for these, for mankind to know about relationships with angels. It is my my belief, and I think I can have a pretty uh, good foundation biblically to prove this, that this was not something that was abnormal in the sense of something that was not common, I should say. It was very common during these um, days that this was an activity um, that men um, were experiencing because of the corruption of the fallen angels. However, in this case, the men of the city wanted to have relations with the male angels. Lot, so disturbed by this, which Lot probably should have been punched in the throat. No, he should not have been punched in the throat. But um, Lot, he he tries to he tries to tell the men, "Hey, look, these men 
are are in my home. They're they're. I'll send you out my daughters, and you can have sex with them. But the men cried out, "No, we want the men who came into your house." Lot says, "Well, no, I'll send out my daughters, so you can have sex with my daughters," which I I wouldn't have done that, but hey. But the men cried out, no, we want the men. So it's always been Satan's plan to undo the natural order of things that God has established. So point number one, Satan wanted to be God. Point number two, Satan desires to undo God's plan. And I just use sexuality for an example. I suppose I could have used a different example. But um, yeah, point number two, Satan desires to twist God's plan for sexuality. And I think really why I chose that, because that is a, I believe that is one of Satan's uh, methods that he really wants to destroy mankind with. I believe I could make a case for that biblically throughout all of history. But I don't have time to do that on the show. Time is getting away. Time is slipping away. Uh, point number three. Satan questions what God says. Satan always calls into doubt what God says. Now, we already talked about, we started the show talking about uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the ser- serpent was more crafty than any wild animal the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? Um, boy, have I heard, I mean, I, I've almost, it's like I've almost heard people say that um, in the progressive camp of Christianity. Well, did God really mean that when he said that? Um, but that's what's happening in today's society. Uh, in in the world of Christianity, everything the Bible is 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 teaching has been con has has become under question, and I'm going to give you uh, three examples of things that have come under attack in Scripture. Or what's what's happening? People ways people are attacking Scripture. So let's let's look at uh, three examples of God's word coming under fire. First of all, you have the red letter uh, Christians. They're called the red letter Christians. And I don't know if many of you remember Tony Campolo from, um, he he was a psychologist, um, speaker, author, activist from like the 80s, 90s, um, uh, even today, he, um, I think he's still living. Um, but he became very, very extremely liberal. And he had a lot to do with starting the organization uh, referred to as Red Letter Christians. Red Letter Christians, meaning that they rely, I don't want to miss, you know, misinterpret what they say. So I, I got to give them some benefit of the doubt. They believe in relying on the words of Christ high above the rest of Scripture. 
as if there's a difference between what Christ taught and what the apostles taught or what the Old Testament taught. They believe the red letters of Christ are most valuable. And there's you might be able to learn some things from the rest of the uh, parts of the Bible. You might, they might, but pretty much they're, they're just, they're there, but they're not really, you can't really trust or live by the other uh, scriptures. It's just the red letters. So I think they actually they made just a red, red letter Bible. It's just the words of Christ. Everything else has been taken out. So um, um, for A, the ways that the, uh, God's word, scripture has been coming under attack ever since Satan said, did God really say? Um, we've seen a movement in, um, in the Christian church of red letter Christians come questioning the very words of God. Um, B, um, relational over scripture. Relational over scripture. I've heard this term a lot lately, especially locally, where some pastors are saying that um, the Bible is a relational book. Which it is, which it is. I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that to some extent. The Bible is relational. It's all about God's restoring His relationship to mankind. But here's where they get themselves in trouble. They'll say things like, "Well, just let the Holy Spirit reveal the Scripture to the individual." We don't need any guidelines. We don't need any hermeneutics. We don't need, we don't, you know, we just need, let the Holy Spirit, um, the relationship of the Holy Spirit guide each reader to the truth. But when the, the problem with that, when you do that, then you have no truth because if you say, well, it's really just about what the Holy Spirit says. And if he's speaking to me, he may be speaking to you differently. So then it casts a dark shadow of what truth is. Because relational, right? The Holy Spirit's relating to, I have this relationship with the Holy Spirit that's different than you do. And God's revealing things to me in Scripture that are different to what, you believe. See, I believe, you know, so it takes away uh, the sufficiency of Scripture. You can't trust, you can't trust Scripture. Um, the Holy Spirit, He's dealing with me more relational in a different way. And yeah, that verse about this particular sin, yeah, that doesn't really apply to me. The Holy Spirit is telling me that's not really a sin. Because God just wants to have a relationship with me, whatever that looks like. So that's another way that Scripture is coming under, under attack. Did God really say? So we got red-letter Christians 
uh, relational and see um, the Bible's too rational. The Bible's too rational of Western thought. It's too Western. You know, you, the Bible's not meant to be taken rationally. You can't really believe the stories in the Old Testament. Th those are metaphorical. Those, those are just, uh, you know, those are just stories to prove a point, but none of that stuff really happened. Um, the Bible's not supposed to be taken as a rational book. Um, it's too Western. Y you Western Europeans... Um, you, you know, you recorded, you know, you interpreted the scripture incorrectly because it should only be interpreted through Jewish eyes, e even though, um, the New Testament, um, the New Testament was recorded in a Greek world, um, through Jew through Jewish people who had a perspective of both Hebrew and Greek. They knew what it was like to be Jewish. They knew the Jewish language, but they lived in a, in a Greek world, so they knew how to record um, Scripture. You know, for those that, that want to attack the Bible as being too rational or, or the Bible as being too Western, it's as if you're saying God didn't know how he was going to use the apostles living in a Greek world. He had no clue. He didn't help them understand the Greek world and the Greek language, even though they were Jewish and they were probably well adversed in both their natural Jewish heritage and living under Roman um, occupation. Boy, I bet you they knew both sides pretty well, I, I would imagine. And especially, you know, you have God the Father, and you have Christ the Son that was with them and the Holy Spirit. Boy, you're really questioning that that God could really know in advance how he was going to create his word, who he was going to use to create his word. I guess it was all a surprise to God. God didn't know that he was going to use the Roman Empire to help spread his word. Yeah, um, you know, darn it, God kind of messed up, didn't he? I, you know, maybe God really didn't say, but you know what? He did say, and you got to be careful out there. When you start, when you start denying the the infallible word of God, then you might be stuck in Genesis 3.1. Did God really say? Hey, thanks for stopping by and hanging out with me on Mornings with Ken. I really appreciate it. And uh, have a blessed day. Love you guys. Bye-bye now.